If you ever wondered what the church staff does during the week, <laughs> now you know. Hey, so uh, this morning we're continuing our series uh, we're calling Go Big or Go Home. Still love that. It's awesome. Um, you know, we all love the story of an ordinary person doing an extraordinary thing. Um, in fact, there are countless stories of people doing just that in our world, like we hear them all the time. Um, there are folks that just go for it because they believe in something, and they have these amazing legacies that follow because they did the thing that they wanted to do. Um, I want to give you three pictures this morning. See if you remember any of these pictures or these people, okay? Check out this picture. Anyone remember this picture by raise of hands? You know this picture, yeah. A lot of us should. Um, it's been nicknamed Tank Man, and it was shot in 1989. Um, today, we actually have no idea who that little guy is that's standing in front of the tank. We, we have no idea who the person is. And this ordinary man decided to step up to the Chinese military and become an icon for a generation along the way. He had his go big or go home moment and he took it and now we know him. We remember him. He will live on because of that one thing that he did. What about this picture? Do you know who this person is? Raise the hands. Who knows who this is? A little bit less. Less of us. This is Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks became famous because she refused to move where she was seated on a bus because of her skin color. One day she had enough and said, I'm going to stay sit seated here. And because of that one go big or go home moment, Rosa Parks became an icon for generations to come. An icon. This, one, this next one's a little hard. Let's see how many of you know this one. No, no cheating, by the way. Do you know who this is? By raise of hands, anyone. First service had a couple, but they may have been lying. We don't know. Because you guys are second service. Many of us may not recognize who this person is. Um, her name is Irina Sendler. Irina Sendler. And during World War II, Irina Sendler, through unbelievable perseverance and creativity, freed something like 3,000 Jewish children from a Jewish ghetto, where if they would have stayed, they certainly would have died. And she was a part of freeing them. She had her go big or go home moment and she took it and she has a legacy now that will be remembered for generations beyond. See, all these people believed in some kind of ideal. They just went for it, everything they had because of that ideal and now they have a legacy today among us. Many of us remember these people. You see, what if those of us who call TFRC home those of us who say, TFRC, this is my church community here. What if we had that attitude toward our faith? Like, what would happen? Like, what if we had an attitude of go big or go home for Jesus, and, and we took that seriously, and we actually went for it? Like, what if we were a church that was brimming with people that were eager, eager to do all they could, to go all in for Jesus, Think about what kind of impact that would have had or would have on our world, right? I mean, think of the impact it would have on our, our neighborhoods and our cities and our friendships and the industries that we're part of. Think of the impact that could have on the Magic Valley if we were just an all-in, go big or go home church. Think about how many people, because of our church, because we just went for it, would meet Jesus because of that. Think about that. See, this is what this series, Go Big or Go Home, is all about. For so many of us, our faith is marked by comfort 
and predictability and routine, but that's not necessarily the way of Jesus all the time, isn't it? Our faith demands something from us, a go big or go home attitude. And so in this series, we wanted to explore, well, how practically can we begin that journey toward go big or go home for our faith? And so a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chuck kicked off our series, and he talked about going big or going home by sharing secrets, finding that person, the other follower of Jesus that you trust, and actually making yourself accountable to them. That's a go big or go home moment for those of us of the faith. And then last week we talked about um, what go big or go home in our personal relationship with Jesus might look like. And we were challenged literally to wake up with the Lord like the first thing we do when we open our eyes is we spend time with our God and we see what that maybe would turn into. And so if you're creating a list so far, we've got two challenges on the table in our go big or go home challenge. Challenge number one, find a fellow follower of Jesus to be accountable to. That's challenge number one. And then challenge number two, begin a daily practice of time with the Lord. Um, feel free to use our Waking Up with the Lord guide that we um, showed you last week. You can find it on our church website if you want to use that as well. Now this week we're going to talk about our third Go Big or Go Home challenge. And we're calling this one, Writing the Big Check. Don't worry, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> I promise. So our scripture reading this morning is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. If you have a Bible, if you have your phone, I encourage you to open up Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And none other than the Pete Wiersma is going to read for us this morning. In church, what we do when we read scripture together is we stand for the reading of God's word. The reason we do this Every single time we come together, we stand for God's word is because we believe that this book is the truest reality in our lives. This is truth right here. So Pete, take it away when you're ready. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Thanks, Pete. You all may take a seat. I encourage you to just leave your Bibles open as well. So this last week marked an anniversary for me and my family. This last week marked five years since the Austins moved to Twin Falls. Isn't that awesome? You guys have put up with me for five years now. So I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Now, when we moved from Idaho, uh, we were, when we moved to Idaho, we were moving from the state of Michigan, which is known for it's just a little bit of snow that it gets. It gets just dumped on every single year. Um, now, something important about Michigan is knowing that Michigan drivers pride themselves on driving on the snow. They're prideful of it to the point where we think we're better than you, other states, at driving in the snow. And when we moved to Idaho five years ago, we scoffed at all the warnings the Idahoans were giving us about winter. Woo, winter in Idaho. We're from Michigan. We're a big deal. We've done this before, you know. That was until one night. <laughs> one night, my wife Becca 
was driving home from work and it had snowed and then melted, then got really cold because there's like seven seasons in Idaho and they all happen in the same day. That's something we learned. And when it was time for my wife to turn left into the subdivision, she had her hands on the wheel and she slowly turned the wheel to the left and hit the gas pedal. But something happened. The car didn't follow the wheel. The car just continued to go straight. There's this thing called black ice out here. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it's really exciting when you encounter it. And so our 2007 Buick Rendezvous, which we still have and we adore, went sideways into a curb because of that. And uh, I have a picture of it. This is what happened to it. The wheel's not supposed to turn like that. I, I did learn that. Um, now, I didn't share this to get down to my wife because I would have done the exact same thing as her. I would have run straight into that curb. I just know it. I share this picture because it's what happened after this picture was taken that I want to share. Something happened after this picture was taken. No more than a week after this happened, a lady named Joanne Harvey walked into my office one morning at the church now, a couple things about Joanne. Joanne Harvey was this petite 70-year-old woman with fire in her eyes. I don't know if you've met someone like this before. She was recently a widow. She was a staunch Catholic lady that wanted to make it known just how staunchly Catholic she was. A little opinionated. And she would come on Monday nights to our church to help serve food at Recovery for Life because she just loved what our recovery ministry was all about. So Joan... Uh, Joanne walked into my office one morning and with a boldness, because every single time she would talk, there's like an intensity to her talking. She said, I was praying uh, and God kept bringing you to mind. And I believe God wanted me to give you this. And she handed me a, a little card. And then she walked off, which was so typical of Joanne. Joanne had no idea that I had just gotten into an accident and that it was going to be expensive to fix my car. We had no idea. And so, so I opened the card and there was a nice letter there. And then there was a check. And the check was for almost exactly the amount of our car accident to repair the car. I don't know if you've had a moment like that, but it's a moment where God suddenly becomes very tangible. It's like, oh my words, like God was up to something in the middle of this. And it's one of those moments that actually changed me. Like, I didn't know God did things like that, not in my life. And then in that moment, God did through Joanne. It was a God-saturated moment. Now, later on, Joanne Harvey would begin a battle with cancer. And I remember I would sit with her in the hospital. She would just come out of surgery. And we would talk, and we would talk about her faith and my faith and all that. And we'd have great conversations. And, and then one day, Joanne would lose her battle with cancer, and she'd go to be with the Lord. Now, every time I hear our scripture reading this morning, every single time I think of Joanne Harvey. Joanne Harvey looked a lot like the poor widow in so many ways. And they both had this faith and this unbelievable generosity to them. I, I don't know about you, but when I think about people like that, I think like, how in the world are you so generous like that? Like, how can you think so outside of yourselves? Like, how could you just, if you're the, the, the widow, the poor widow, how do you take the two coins that you have and you put it in the coffers and you know like that's the only two coins you have? Like, how do you do something like that? How do you develop something like that in your personality? 
What is it that led the widow to give everything that she has? And then what is it that led Joanne to just discern from God, like, hey, uh, this guy probably could use money to fix his car. And then boom, it was there and she had no idea. Like, what leads that to happen in life? Now, I want you to hold on to the story of the widow. And I want you to hold on to the story of Joanne. Because to understand what drives people like that, you, we have to go to another scripture passage this morning. So think about those two stories and then go with me to Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 22 here a second. Matthew chapter 22, starting in, in verse 34. There, there's this there's this tense moment in the story of Jesus where the Sadducees and the Pharisees, like they've had enough of Jesus. Jesus keeps making them look bad and they want to stick it to Jesus. And so they, they try to test Jesus to try to get him to stumble, to try to get him to say the wrong thing, to expose him for who they thought he really was. And so the religious elite ask a question of Jesus and, and listen to how Jesus responds to the question. Starting in verse 34 here, listen to this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I like to read it this way. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Right? Like, I could see it that way. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now, for many of us, we've heard this passage before, right? It's a classic. It's Jesus' way of summarizing, like, what is it? What is our role in life? Like, what are we here for? What are we to do? Well, it's these two things that Jesus summed it up into, we have come up with life mantras and church mission statements because of this passage, haven't we? Like, what is our job as followers of Jesus? Well, to love God and to love people, right? It's like a bumper sticker that we might put on our car. And I think it's exactly the truth. It's true. If we were to sum up our role in life, I think Jesus does it pretty good in this passage. Love God and then love others. That's what we're to do. Now, the word love here is a specific word. There's no ambiguity in the word. Um, the word Jesus uses here is a word that you've probably heard. Coffee shops are named after this if it's a Christian coffee shop. It's the Greek word agape. Agape. Now, agape love is a very specific kind of love. Agape love is this self-abandoning affection, okay? Like self-abandoning affection, Agape love is the kind of love that we give to another out of deep affection for the other, and yet we have no concern for ourselves in the mixture, in the relationship. It's all about the other person. We just want to give. There's this self-sacrificial character to agape love. I'm going to give of myself because of my affection for this person, and I'm going to do so with, with no strings attached at all. It's purely for the other person. And when I think of agape love, I think of fatherhood. If you're a dad, you're going to know what I'm talking about. You know, when your wife is pregnant, baby in belly, as a dad, you have virtually no relationship to, to the baby, right? Like you may have heard a kick or something like that once in a while. Like that's it. But then there's the moment when, when the baby is born 
and then the nurse hands you the baby and you're holding the baby for the first time. As a dad, this is your first exposure to this child and something happens in that moment as a dad. You look down at this child and you realize this child is mine and you think, I will do anything for this child. Like, I will do anything for this child. I would give up anything for this child. I would give my life for this child, right? If you're a dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's agape love. So, so the religious elite come to Jesus and they say, what is the greatest commandment, right? What is the greatest commandment? Baiting Jesus. And Jesus' response is, agape love of your God and agape love of your neighbor. Your job in this world, if, we're, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, our job in this world is to give ourselves unconditionally away to the Lord and unconditionally away to our neighbor. You know, we could summarize these commands, they call them the great commandments. We could summarize it another way. Basically what Jesus says is that the most important command from God is to, you ready? The most important command from God is to not be concerned with yourself in your relationship to God. Not be concerned with yourself in your relationship to God. And to not be concerned with yourself, with your relationship for, with your neighbor. To not be concerned with yourself. And what Jesus is doing here with the religious elite is exposing something about what's going on on the inside for them. You see, for Jesus' opponents, these religious elites, their faith was functionally transactional. It was all about, like, what could I get out of it? It was about, well, if, if I do the right things, if, if I follow God's rules the right way, if, if I do it publicly, well, maybe I'll get prestige out of it. I'll get notoriety out of it. I'll get power out of it. I'll get noticed out of it. I'll get fulfillment out of it, whatever it is. But it's about what can I get out of it if I give into this thing? And then these folks, they, they treated their neighbors exactly the same way. If I'm going to associate with this person or help this person or be accountable to this person, I hope that I can get some prestige out of it, some notoriety out of it, some power out of it, to get noticed out of it, some fulfillment out of it, whatever it may be. What can I get out of these relationships fundamentally? Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I really don't. But I think that our attitude toward faith and toward others is often not all that different. It's not. In our consumeristic-driven world, we have been thoroughly trained to see every situation, every person, everything as a product that can be consumed. It's about what can I get out of it. That's what we do with our whole lives. What can I get out of it? out of it. And we do that with our faith and our neighbors all the time. All the time. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Agape love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Out of a deep affection for God, for God's sake, Offer yourself to God as a sacrifice to God. Like all of you goes to God and it's for God's sake. Is this the attitude that we bring to our faith? 
or to our neighbors? Is it? I mean, I think Sunday morning worship is a great example of this. Look, if your primary reason for coming to worship today, for being in this building or streaming in online, if your primary motivation for tuning in in whatever way is to be spiritually fed, we use that phrase, right? It's about me being spiritually fed. Then we have made worship about us, not God. You see? If our primary reason for coming to worship or streaming in online is, is the worship music, that experience of worship when everyone sings together and the music crescendos at the right time and there's just this ah uh, feeling. You know what I'm talking about. If that's why we come to worship, if that's our primary motivation, we have made worship about us, not about our God. If our primary motivation for attending worship services or tuning in online or Facebook Live or hanging out in the octagon is being with our friends and being with our family, if that's why we come to worship every single week, week after week after week, we have made worship fundamentally about me. It's not about God. It's about me. What can I get? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. And so often we live our lives in such a way that we frankly, we love ourselves with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Whether it's worship or friendships or career choices or dating or free time, whatever it may be, it tends to be about me, right? See, the number one thing we have to understand is that faith is ultimately not about us. It's not. Faith is fundamentally about God. Amen? And folks, that's pretty good news for us if you think about it. Do you know why we should agape love the Lord our God with all our hearts and souls and minds? Do you, do you know why that's something that we should even think about doing? Do you know? Because God, agape loved us first. See, the Father has a relationship with his son, Jesus, right? And the Father has a relationship with, with, with us, and you would think that the one that the father would agape love the most would be who? Well, it'd be the son, obviously. You know, it's the dad thing. When the kid's born, like, I will give anything for the, like that. It's a father, right? It's a father thing. You choose the son, but that's not what God does in the scriptures. He gives up his son so that he can agape love you. You see? The father was willing to offer up his son on a cross, his son who he agape loved so deeply to demonstrate his agape love for you and me. Think about how backward that is. You would, you would never give up your kid for somebody else. You would never do that, but that, well... 
That's what the Father did for us. And you see, once you believe that, and you really interiorize that, like it comes into you, like you really firmly believe it with your whole being, it will change everything for you. Everything. Do you believe it? Do you? You want to know why you can agape love our God? Because he agape loved you first. He selflessly gave himself to you on a cross. The cross is the ultimate symbol of agape love. And so, we selflessly give ourselves to God because he is a selfless God who selflessly gave himself for us. Now, what does all of that have to do with the poor widow and Joanne Harvey? the poor widow who Jesus was probably walking by the temple at some point and looked up and he saw the poor widow. This poor old woman has these two coins and they're like the world's smallest coins. They're worth essentially nothing. It's all she has and Jesus watches as she puts her coins in the coffer at the temple, giving everything that she has to the Lord. Those two tiny coins, they represented her dignity They represented her worth in society. That's all she had. That was it. When you give that up, there's nothing else left to give. But she gave it to the Lord. She gave it. And we know why, don't we? Because she agape loved her God. Oh, she loved her God. She would do anything for the Lord. It wasn't about her. It was about her God. And do you want to know why Joanne Harvey would hand me a check for the cost of a car accident without even knowing it? Do you want to know why? Because she agape loved the Lord and it spilled over into her neighbor. That's why. Folks, this is what go big or go home in our faith looks like. It looks like agape love, a selfless love, giving of oneself, unconditional love and care for another. And we can, when we can give that agape love away to our community, to the people around us, to our neighbors, they will get a taste of what our Father is really like. It may be their only sense of the gospel that they ever receive is that agape love. And so what do we do with that? So this week, our go big or go home challenge is this. Give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. This week, find a way to give yourself unconditionally to another. Find a way to do so. Maybe that means writing a big fat check and then giving it to somebody who you don't even know if they're in need, but God has laid them on your heart so you give them that check. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. Or maybe it looks like giving of yourself to another person unconditionally in some other way. Maybe it does for you. That's between you and God. I challenge you though, give until it hurts. You want to take your faith seriously? Make it cost you, right? Agape love of God and agape love of neighbor. Amen? Let's pray.
God, as we read these passages and we reflect on the words of Jesus, we can't help but be reminded of what you've done for us. You certainly are a God of love. God, thank you for being so selfless toward us when we've really been selfish toward you. You've given everything to us. You would give your son to us and you did. God, we ask that that message will just penetrate deep into our hearts. It'll soften the bedrock there and work its way into our lives and transform us. God, there is a world out there that needs to experience that love. You know that. And God, give us the heart and the capacity, that go big or go home attitude, to go share your agape love with the world. God, give us the power, the endurance, the ability just to go for it. God, we thank you for who you are and all you've done. We thank you that this story is about you at the end of the day. It's not about us. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let me leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, church?